All right. Good morning, Recovery Posse. Good morning, everyone. Uh, welcome to the Sober Heathen Podcast. I am Scott. I am sober. I am a heathen and uh, bringing to you another guest today. Very excited. Uh, we get to put Florida on the map of guests that have been on the show. That's so cool. Florida is one of my favorite states. Only been there a few times. Played some baseball down there. Uh, oh, wait. Yeah. Yeah, I think I did. But uh, anyway, uh, off topic, uh, just wanted to remind everybody last night, uh, Rich S. and I did a uh, Twitter space, um, did it around seven o'clock last night. So go ahead and check that out. Uh, the recording is up and available on Twitter if you yeah. want to check that out or shoot me a message uh, on Twitter or Facebook and I can get you a link. Um, so going to get right into it uh, this morning. I will tell you, Amy, that last night I had a borderline nightmare that uh and this is the first time it's happened since i've done podcasts that all hell broke loose um there was an interview i i don't think it was you specifically but because this was the earliest one i was i was having some anxiety about uh like i woke up uh oh, it was about five o'clock this morning I'm like oh my god did i oversleep and <laughs> i checked my phone i was like oh i got some time but like, yeah last night it, it was it was about doing a podcast i had forgot about it i had to do it for my phone and it, it just everything was going crazy so i hope that this goes a lot better than what my dream did last night but uh amy welcome to the podcast uh tell us where you're from um and uh and a little bit about yourself absolutely um thank you well i'm amy i'm an alcoholic um <laughs> jacksonville florida i've been here for about five months um i have lived in the sobriety world since uh, 2016. Um, I did have a relapse. So there's two important dates in my life, April 30th, 2016, <clears throat> excuse me. And, uh, June 10th, 2020, uh, Um, a little bit about me. Um, I have to keep fixing my phone. Um, I guess, you know, um, share my experience, strength and, and hope in my, in my backstory. So I am a kid that came from a super, and I'm a 50 year old woman, by the way, <laughs> and still feel like a kid, um, came from a lot of dysfunction and, um, alcoholism runs very deep in my, in my genetics. And, uh, I don't think that necessarily that's absolutely why I became an alcoholic. Uh, but my chaotic childhood, I think, delivered absolutely no coping skills. Mm, and mm -hmm. eventually I picked up alcohol because I just couldn't exist in the world. I just didn't know how. Um, so, you know, my mom was a borderline personality disorder, bipolar, could not mm. care for us. You know, my dad was a rageaholic, a good man, though. He did end up having to raise me at eight years old by himself. And that was really a tough task. Um, I am the youngest of four. Um, I am the baby baby, um, <laughs> often referred to as peanut, even at 50. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I am a mother. Um, I have two daughters, um, 19 and almost 21. And uh you know, I, I, I was actually afraid of alcohol. Um, I knew that, you know, having a, a family full of alcoholics that very well could happen to me. So I was, uh, you know, I, I did drink in high school. I did normal stuff, um, had alcohol poisoning so bad 
<clears throat> I'm sorry about the frog in my throat at 15 that like I literally was like I am never doing this again and life got lifey and uh I started to pick up um alcoholically at 34 so that's a little late in the game um drugs aren't necessarily a part of my story but um an eating mm-hmm. disorder is so as I as I kind of go back and I unravel like how'd this happen? You know, what led me here? Um, and this is important because it's a part of the ism. Um, you know, I never felt worthy, good enough. I had, um, what we, what we, most of us have, you know, this fierce perfectionism, um, you know, wanting to really look perfect on the outside and have things like very neat and pretty on the outside internally, I was a, just a hot mess. Um, so I actually had a eating disorder for 17 years and I kept that like a, that was locked down. That was my horrible secret. Um, but as I, as I really understand what that was, that was my way of having control in an uncontrollable environment. Um, you know, I couldn't manage anybody else, but I can manage me. So um, 17 years with that, and that should have took me. That should have killed me for sure. Wow. Um, and it didn't. <laughs> um, thank God. Right. So I stopped the eating disorder behavior, went to the doctor. You know, my my husband, I was married for 19 years. I was with the same man for 28, almost my entire adult life. Um. And I got into into treatment for that. Um, still never really understood the core of what was going on with me. Um, and I remember my my doctor saying in the doctor's office, and I, I still love this doctor so much today. Um, he said, you know, Amy, there's a extremely high percentage of women with eating disorders that will become alcoholics. And I'm like, mm-hmm. That's not going to happen to me. That's not going to happen because I was one of those people. I would look at family members drinking and I would judge them. Sure. It's ironic what happened. Um, And things get, you know, difficult. And, you know, my kids, I have one child on on the spectrum. And, um, you know, we had a lot of stuff going on with OCD and all this stuff. It's not their fault that mom chose to drink. I just didn't know how to handle the fire that was going on in the house every day. So I loved my four o'clock glass of wine. I loved it. And I was one of those classy women drinkers Mm -hmm. where I had a really cute glass and a little charm on it. And I'm like, oh, I just love my four o'clock glass of wine. Well, that glass of wine felt so good. It gave me that euphoria. It took away my stress, my anxiety, my chronic fears, my insecurities, and you know what happens. Sure. You know, that that daily four o'clock glass of wine turned into a blazing inferno where I am a blackout, mm. fall down drunk for five years. Um, and I did that all in front of my kids. And that is my deepest regret to this day. And I'm still working on forgiveness for sure. myself. Sure. Um, 
I do have one daughter that is estranged from me and that's okay. You know, that the program teaches us acceptance and I've made amends, but not to her liking. And God's got that. I had to surrender that to God. Um, but that is why I'm in Florida. You know, they, my kids moved to Florida three years ago and that was the biggest wound, like not being with my kids. So after a, a five-year relationship ended, I, I said, I need to go and be with my kids. So here I am. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. You know, I, I came to Jacksonville alone. I moved on my own across the country. And I've got to tell you, in terms of like the quality of sobriety, everything changed for me when I moved. One, I found my strength in, in doing something that I never thought I could do. Two, I immediately got into meetings here. Um, and I'm in a different place than I've ever been, ever. Um, deeply introspective, really looking at, you know, those childhood wounds that, that probably caused, you know, the alcoholism or the behavior um, looking at me. And it's a little late in life and I'm trying to not judge myself. It's like I'm 50 and, you know, I don't have my together, um, but I feel like oh, I'm man. on my <laughs> I, I know the feeling. Yeah. We're, we're, we're human. We are. Um, so yeah, I mean that's 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 the background. Um I did have a relapse in 2019. Um now relapse does not have to be a part of people's story. It is often. And there's like there's two things for me. Like I wish it wasn't, but I'm sure. so glad it was. Right. So, you know, it kind of made me, you know, look at okay. First of all, they stopped going to meetings. They stopped calling my sponsor. I was in a really toxic environment, um, not a healthy relationship. And I rested on my laurels and I picked up. And that was like a nuclear holocaust. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like I picked up right where I left off at after three years of sobriety and proceeded to drink more than ever. Mm. And I absolutely wanted to die. Like, I didn't see a way out. Um, but pulled up my big girl pants and I got a hold of a sponsor, um, a woman, a wonderful woman in sobriety. And I got back into the steps and the program. And, you know, it'll be three years again soon. You know, one day at a time, knock on wood. Right on. So that's where I am. Awesome. So you said that you had a relapse. How long did you have before you, that relapse happened? Three years. So three years. So three years again. So uh, how long did the relapse happen? Was it a one-time event? Was it uh, a length of time? Yeah, it was probably six months or so. Right on. Right. Well, I think that's important to talk about. And here you are again at, at almost three years Um and, and you mentioned that relapse doesn't have to be a part of your story, but it's a part of so many of our stories. Um, you know, it's, it's, it, it can either, you can either let it break you or you can get up and put your, uh, 
big girl or big boy pants on, like you said, and, and keep fighting. And, you know, I hope to not experience that ever again. But um, like you said, again, we are human and uh, life. I, I, I wrote in my notes here, life got lifey. Life will get lifey on you when you least expect it. And and being in the in what the situation that we are with this uh, st- stupid disease and um it can bite you in the ass uh, very quickly. Um, you know, you, you talked about uh, your kids and drinking in front of your kids. That's uh, some of my biggest regrets. I talked about that a little bit yesterday um, on the Twitter space. Uh, just, you know, um, I don't know if you've listened to it yet, but uh, Gail M. Uh, was on the podcast. I believe she was my second or third guest on the podcast. Um, if you haven't got a chance to listen to that, she tells a great story. She's been sober for decades. Um, her children talk to her, but it is not good. That's not where it want, she wants it to be. And she has learned to be okay with that. She's learned through the program that, you know, um, we can't change other people. We can just do the best that we can and we have to accept who they are and what they think, you know? Um, and, and I hope for you, uh, you seem very genuine and, and a great person that, that everything comes around. And it was just really inspiring to listen to Gail and, and how she, the acceptance just comes through, you know what I mean? And you can tell, you can tell that she, and you can tell with you that you absolutely love your children. I mean, you moved across the country, right. To show, to show good faith and, 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 and you're doing the right things. Um, but at the end of the day, we can't change it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a real show of strength. Um, man, so much, uh, so much here. Um, uh, I think one thing too, I wrote down here, um, you hear a lot in the program, you don't want to rest on your laurels. And it took me a while after being in the program to actually look up the definition, what laurels meant, you know, we get comfortable with our laurels, which are our achievements. I've got three years. I've got 90 days. I don't need meetings anymore. You kind of alluded to that. Um, you stopped going to meetings. Uh, we rest on all these accomplishments that we got. And then, bam. You know, it's it's we got sober by doing certain things. And when we stop doing those certain things, it can come right back and get us. Absolutely. It's maintenance, you know, and it, it's a daily reprieve because I, you know, my brain is alcoholic that will never change ever. I cross that line. So I, I do know I sit in some meetings here in Jacksonville with people that got 50 years of sobriety, literally, and they're showing up at meetings three, four times a week because our brains need to be reminded regardless of how long we have, you know, it it is a, it's a beautiful achievement, but Mm -hmm. we only have, we only have today. And, you know, tomorrow I can, I can wake up and, you know, do, do some boneheaded things and then, you know, stop going to meetings and then boom, I'm there again. I don't, I'm not doing that. It will not do that. Not today. Sure. Yeah. And, and it's really important to keep it, finite like that uh one hour one day at a time um i know the amount of effort and you can speak to to yours um that i went to to make sure that there's alcohol available for me to drink all day and all night long i know the kind of effort that i put forward to do that um if i don't put some sort of effort that's equal to that um at least in the in the, the in these early years 
um, I'm in big trouble. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Uh, yeah, I, I totally related to you um, when you talked about no coping skills. Um, I was raised by my great grandmother. Zero coping skills. It was just one big blanket, warm, fuzzy blanket of grandma, great grandmother love. Uh, never got to experience anything until I experienced it when I was out from under that blanket. Um, and it punched me right in the face. Um, I am a, at least a fourth generation alcoholic. Um, I know that it that doesn't automatically make you an alcoholic, um, but it, it certainly uh, gives you the uh, the prereqs to it. Um, I too said I was never going to drink after what I saw uh, my family going through, like the shit show that my family was. I was like, I'm never going to drink. And then one month before I turned 21, I made it all the way through high school, never had any interest. I was actually very adamant against it with my friends. Like, I ain't I ain't drinking. I ain't doing that stuff. Um, and then a month before I turned 21, my roommates got some Mike's Hard Lemonade and one bottle. And I'm off to the races, man. I I, I was free as a bird. I could say what I wanted to say. I was confident. I was funny. I was all these wonderful things. Um, that I could po- could not possibly be without a bottle in my hand. So I totally relate to that. Amen. And I remember that so well. You know, just that, like that, just euphoric. Whoa, this just took took me out of myself. Yeah, and it's so yeah. this is a this is a circus. It's still a circus. It is still a circus. Um, it's just that and better it surrender surrendering the circus instead of being a clown in it you know daily um you know one thing that's i think really cool about where i am right now um and and again you know i hope i'm i'm in the same place tomorrow is that i'm actually way more aware of my defects right now and you know i've gone through the steps you know because i i i aa is is how i became sober and I love AA and it's not for everybody, but it it is what saved my life. Absolutely. Um, so now that I've, I've become more aware of Amy and how I tick. And I think for, you know, since I got originally sober in 2016, I think I kind of knew and I did what I needed to do almost robotically with the steps and inventories I mean, now I'm actually, there's, there's some switch that went off in me um, where I'm like, okay, these are your defects and like you, you sister, you need to work on these <laughs> because it's not just about drinking anymore. It's about emotional sobriety. Um, you know, I, I looked back and I'm like, man, you are a chronic people pleaser, mm. um, a fawner, a caretaker um i'm highly empathic um and those things are really beautiful things there's nothing wrong with those things but when you make people your higher power and you think your whole sole purpose on this earth is to serve comfort manage people's emotions and take everybody's temperature you're not going to live a fruitful, peaceful life. So, you know, I'm, I'm working on those things today because I want love. I want, you know, companionship. And 
I know that right now, as I'm working on me right now, that's not something I need to be doing because for the first time at 50, now I actually am doing the work on the emotional sobriety side. Um, it's kind of a big deal and it's super painful. <laughs> it's so sure. painful. Um, it is working. It, it works, you know. I'm just really grateful. Yeah, well, you can, the smile says a lot. Um, if you could, um, and we've, Rich and I have been doing the Twitter spaces and, and we're kind of throwing topics out there on Twitter, talking about, you know, sponsorship. Um, is it for everybody? Uh, 12 steps. You know, there's obviously uh, multiple pathways. I'm an AA guy too. I enjoy it when, when the people are right. Um, there are, there's ego everywhere you go and it can certainly creep into an AA meeting, you know, with the looks you get when you walk in the door, you're the new person. And, you know, you, I've felt in the past walking in the doors that I have to prove myself. I have to, you know, say things like, well, the first 164 pages haven't changed since it was written, you know, see, I, I know, you know, the promises are on page 83 or whatever they are to, just to kind of, to let them know that I'm for real. Um, Talk about, you know, a lot of people have a lot of anxiety and fear of um, AA, so, you know, the AA process. It doesn't say it in the big book, but the process is find a sponsor and work through the steps with the sponsor. And steps four, five, and six, you know, those those can get tricky and there can be a lot of uh, fear. And that's what you're uh, basically addressing in those steps. But there's fear like uh, giving in. Uh, was your experience, was the first shot the ticket? I mean, did you find a sponsor and you go through the steps and start to feel better? Or did it take a couple sponsors? How did that go for you? It took a couple of sponsors for me. Um, you know, we're, we're human and, you, I mean, you really do need to have some sort of connection, you know, with your sponsor. Um, but I did, I did jump in, you know, I went, I went through the steps to my best of the best of my ability at that time where I was then. Right. Um, but I want to make sure I'm plugged in. And then, I, you know, I've had a couple sponsors since um, my, my current sponsor who um, is back in Indiana. I was in Indiana for a couple of years. Um, good old solid big book sponsor. And we did it the old fashioned way. And, and that helped me. And that, that took four years, you know, um, so I don't know, you know, since 2016 to now, despite the, the relapse, um, it all makes sense. So that is that is the recipe, you know, dive into the book, find a sponsor, get honest, sure. um, stop your bullshit. You know, I mean, you, you really do have to look at yourself deeply and that, that's super hard and it takes a long time. So, yeah, I think yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's a, a recipe. I think that's a great way to put it because everybody, you know, there's a recipe for this, but you got to put your own ingredients in it sometimes, or, you know, mm -hmm. sometimes you're allergic to certain things. So you keep that out. So you add something else to it. Um, I think that's a great analogy uh, for that. Um, and I, and I, I wanted to ask that question because uh, having multiple sponsors, you know, when you go out and you found a sponsor and, and you get into it and you're excited and, and, all of a sudden that it doesn't feel right. It's not a marriage. It's not something that you have to commit to. Um, and it's, it's not really, you don't have to look at it as feeling bad. Um, you got, this is life or death. So you got to do what's right for you. So if, if your first sponsor doesn't work, that doesn't mean the program's not going to work for you. 
you know, um, and you absolutely, and uh, hopefully you, maybe you agree, maybe you won't, but going through the steps one time isn't the ticket either. That's not, (laughs) it's a continuation of things. And, and I know it's really, um, you know, it was put to me that the big book is a study guide. It's a, it's a textbook. And, you know, I'm on my second big book. My first one was a soft cover and it looks like a rainbow. I went through it with so many different highlighters and, and, <laughs> and tabs or whatever. And then I decided, you know what, I'm going to get a hard cover. And now that one looks the same. So um, you find something different every time you read it. And I do think it is a good tool. It is not, it's not for me, you know, um, the end all be all I've experienced some other things, but my recipe is different than yours, right? I'm going to use that analogy forever. So thank you for that. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Um, move across the country. I, I had that in my notes too. Um, you know, that's a big step. That's a big gamble. And, um, uh, you've already connected in the, in the community. It sounds like, huh? I did. I jumped in like the, the second week. Um, you know, I got here and, and, you know, like moving is complicated. So my, the moving truck didn't come for two weeks. I'm sitting in an empty apartment and, you know, I'm sitting in self pity. I'm terrified. And, you know, Oh, what was me to buy a blow up mattress? I was in a hotel for a while with the dog and, um, and it all, it all worked out, but I was getting nuts. You know, sure. I'm like, I want to go home yesterday. Like I, this was a giant mistake and it wasn't a mistake, but I was living in the fear. The fear was absolutely bigger sure. than me. I'm like, yes. I'm not going to meet anybody here. You know, maybe my daughter will never talk to me again and be alone, blah, blah, blah. Um, and that's okay. You know, I, I swam in the pity party for a little bit. And then um, I just tried to just accept it. Like, okay, the moving truck's coming. <clears throat> My stuff will be here. I need to go to meetings. So I started right away. Um, and that was scary, too, because, you know, you go to a foreign state. I mean, another state. It, it feels like you're just in a foreign country. Absolutely. And All it- of a sudden, there's palm trees and lizards and... <laughs> um, everything smells different and I'm just, I don't know. And so this kind of cool though. So I, I did, I did dive in, you know, pretty quick and, you know, I ended up at this Friday night meeting at a Methodist church and me personally, I like church meetings rather than I like um, clubs. They just, it just feels better for me. Sure. Sure. So I end up at this meeting with this like amazing woman and she's actually um, going to be a pastor and she's in the program. And this woman has like just rocked my world, changed my life from a spiritual perspective, AA perspective. Um, and then other meetings have come and I have friends now here. And um, I feel okay. You know, people move across the country all the time, you know, but for me, like in that moment, I was like, it's only me. It's all about me, me, me. This right. people do this stuff every single day. You That's, know, and I love it. So. That is that that is great example of creating scenarios. You know, it's what we do. We create doomsday scenarios in our head. You know, the truck's not coming. I'm never going to find anybody. And this was a huge mistake. I totally can relate to that, and I think a lot of people can relate to that too. And it's very, very weird. Um, that you come on today and and you talk about moving across the country. Um, you know, I, there's a, 
you know, opportunities are not presenting themselves here where I'm at right now, but there is an opportunity for me to move from Michigan to Texas. Um, You know, friends, friends down there, really good people that have helped me out in the past um, have, have offered some pretty decent help, you know, and it's just really weird that you come on today and you talk about that. And it's something I really don't want to do because my kids are here. I'd be doing the opposite. I'd be going farther away from my children. Um, but you know, bills need to be paid. So I, I just think that's that's a really weird coincidence um that you have moved and it's a story of hope and and um you know success. So that's very interesting to me. So it, yeah, is um uh, Tinkerbell was it? Is, yeah, just, you want to see her? Yeah, might as well be the first pet on the sober heathen podcast. <laughs> oh Tinkerbell. <laughs> Hi, Tinkerbell. Hi. She's, you know what? She's, she's my, my best friend and this dog has saved my life. Um, Honestly, like, you know, in in the depths of depression, I was, you know, post-divorce, you know, like this dog kept me hanging on. Um, So I'm so, I'm so grateful for her and, you know, she tolerates, you know, her, her her batch (laughs) (laughs) sometimes you know and you know this this is unconditional love you know like absolutely we we can unconditionally love humans and that absolutely exists but this is something that is i don't know i don't i don't think us humans can touch you know this kind of love so no i'm grateful for her um i will keep you in in my thoughts and prayers you know like transitioning is really hard if if you do end up doing it um but you know what when you're on the other side if 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 that does happen for you it's incredible you will find a a a courage um even even a peace that you'd never known like it's it's one of the hardest things to do um and in you know i'm not special by any means but for me it was it was a really big deal i was so scared and i'm i'm really glad i did it you know, I know. So, yeah it's it yeah it's a it's that uh by tinkerbell it's uh <laughs> that uh you know the fear you know of you know is what is the want over uh overpowering uh what's what's the logical and right thing to do for me um but uh yeah it, it sounds like that uh, coming up on three years again, um, you're really practicing the steps and, and following the program of AA and really, really able to, I mean, like you said, it's, it's not perfect. Um, it'll never be perfect, but you're able to catch these things and these thoughts and, and, and work through them. And I think that's, that's uh that's a beacon of hope for people that hopefully that listen to this, that are struggling, that, you know, and, and it, a lot of these cliches are beat to death, but it does work if you work it. If you if you're willing to um, face these things and, and talk them out, it really can work. It does work. <laughs> yeah, well, let me put three years. Three For years me. is an eternity to me. Um, three years is, um, you know, I, it's something that I I uh, I can't even imagine accomplishing that. And you've done it twice. So um you know, huge congratulations to you. I wish you nothing but the very best. 
And, um, you know, I will keep you in my thoughts as well. And uh, I hope that uh, your continued hard work, uh, you know, is enough to show the people that you want to see it. They see it. And then and nothing but good is in your future. And 50 years young, that ain't crap. You know, you got a lot of living to do. And, and it, don't, uh, you know, that's that's another. You don't look anything like 50. You're doing great. And just enjoy every minute. Um, and uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I hope you have the best day. I'm going to start working soon. All right. Well, enjoy work. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll, uh, when is your three years? How long you got before three-year anniversary? June 10th. June 10th. Okay. Well, I maybe uh, we'll give you an invite back for the panel episode I want to put together um, because I think you'd be a great uh, uh Speaker on behalf of AA, somebody that's yeah. been through it and likes it. So, and I and I wanted to mention really quick, Scott. Um, sure. Thank sure. you for doing this. Like, this is this is a big deal. Um, so what you're doing and contributing to people's sobriety, you know, planting the seed, the mustard seed, you know, having people on, um, it's a big deal because I don't I don't know if not hearing stories of other people that have gone through sobriety, you know, where you're hopeless and you're like, how do people do this? You know, it's like a maze. It's a Rubik's cube. Um, so what you're doing is, you know, you're, you're sharing this, you know, with the world. There's so many people struggling. They're, they're yeah. dark and black and hopeless, you know, and there, there is hope. Um, so I think that what you're doing is absolutely awesome. And I'm proud of you. And, and keep going one day at a time. And we will definitely talk soon. All right. Thanks a lot, Amy. It uh, means a lot. Um, take care of yourself. And um, we will talk again soon, I hope. Okay. Sounds good. I'll talk All to right, you have, later. Have a great day. Bye-bye. You too. Bye.